Good morning and welcome to our sermon. Uh, we continue our worship series, Our New Start. Our New Start as Disciples and the focus this week is Our New Start, Freely You Have Received, Freely Give. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to hear your word, to be blessed by you, to walk with you, but also to be part of your ministry and mission, to be part of your church, your team, bringing your gospel to those people in need. Heavenly Father, pour down your Holy Spirit on us. Open up our hearts and our minds to see what you are giving us and help us to use what you have given us for to bless others in the world freely with your grace, your love and your compassion. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples and he says to us, as you go, in other words, as you go about your life, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Not quite sure how you think about that, but here's some questions to ponder as we begin our sermon, some things to think about. Think about what blessings and other things have you received or are receiving from God? Think about also, who are the people that you see in need? Not the people who deserve need, but the people you see who are needing Jesus' compassion. And the third thing is, is my attitude to giving the same as Jesus says? Am I giving because I've already received? Or do I have another thought about giving? Freely you have received freely give. You see, our giving as Christians, our giving in life as Christians, is not about getting something in return. Most of the world operates on that basis. They will give something provided they've got a potential to receive something in return. That's not the type of giving or the approach to giving that God has called us to live by. We don't give to get something from God. We don't give to get something from somebody else. We give because we've already received because God has already given to us. And so our giving starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus on the cross and what he's done for us on the cross. And it starts with what God has already given to us through creation. You know, I love to be able to go for a walk in the park and, and just take a moment to reflect on all the wonderful gifts that God has given, given us. I don't live far from the botanical gardens. I don't live far from anything that really shows God's love and blessings on us. And I pray that you see that as well, that throughout your life, that everything in your life is a gift from God. And so if God has already given stuff to us, and if God is already promising and guaranteed that we'll receive stuff, that becomes the basis of our giving. Our giving starts with Jesus. So if that's the case, let's start looking at our text from Matthew Let's start, with, start by looking at with Jesus, starting with Jesus. And what we see, we see Jesus who is with his 12 disciples. It's their part of their missionary. He's preparing them for the future mission, but he's also inviting them to be part of his current mission. And Jesus is going around the place, preaching and teaching and proclaiming the good news. And he's bringing healing to people. But one of the things that strikes me in today's passage is that he's amongst crowds, And he sees these crowds of people 
who are in need. They're in need of compassion. They are helpless. They are confused. They are directionless. It says they are like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm wondering, are there people in your life that you see that same way? People who you see as helpless or confused or directionless or people who, do, who need some of God's help and guidance. Maybe you experience some people. Now, they don't have to be poor people, like materially poor people. I remember talking to a pastor at a, a, another city church and he says, our mission is to the spiritually poor. The thing is, most of the spiritually poor are very wealthy and he continues to see people who are in need of Jesus' compassion. And this is Jesus' response to the crowd. He sees them and he has compassion for them. He, do, he doesn't see them as a nuisance, like sometimes we can see people in need as a nuisance. And he doesn't judge them to say they're doing the wrong thing or they're pain in the neck. And there's a few times this happens within the, the New Testament where Jesus is with crowds and he has compassion for them. And the word compassion here in the New Testament means he's got this stirring in his stomach that he wants to help them. And I'm not sure if you've ever had that. You've heard a story about somebody who is down and out or in need that you've had immediately had compassion for them. But that's how Jesus is reacting. He sees this crowd who are hopeless, helpless, distracted, wandering around like sheep without a shepherd, not listening to a leader. And he doesn't judge them, he doesn't condemn them, but he has compassion for them. And in doing so, he also, the rest of the next part of the reading highlights that he sees this crowd as where God is to be at work, where God's work is to take place. Listen to verses 37 and 38 again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Sometimes when there is a big problem or a big lot of people, we can feel inundated, we can feel overwhelmed. And Jesus has that big group of people. But what he does, he turns to his disciples and says, this is where God's mission is to take place. The harvest is plentiful. They're not a nuisance. They're not there to be condemned. These are the people who need God's compassion. And so what does he direct the disciples and us to do? The first thing he does, he directs us to pray for more laborers. He doesn't say pray for more preachers. He doesn't pray, say pray for more academics or pray for more perfect people. He says, simply says pray for more laborers because the harvest is plentiful. And then something interesting takes off. Often when we have prayer, we sometimes use prayer as a way of getting out of things. You know, we, we have this problem, we think, oh, that, I don't have the capacity to do that, or I don't have the skills or the gifting. Um, that's someone else. God's going to call somebody else to that. So I'm just going to pray for somebody else to come along. But what's interesting in this reading is that in the very next few verses, then he invites the disciples and sends his disciples. And that means he also invites us and sends us to be part of bringing his good news, his compassion, his healing to people. Have a look at verses 1 to 7 again. And you see that happening. He says, um, now, 
go out and, and be, be, bring my good news, show my compassion, bring healing to people. Let the people know that God's kingdom is near. And this is an important message for the people back then, but it's also an important message for our situation, really. You see, people often who are helpless, who are disillusioned, who are wandering around with, like sheep without a shepherd, are people who also feel that God is not close by, that God's not interested in, that God doesn't love them. But Jesus wants people to know that God's kingdom is near, not to judge them, but to give them compassion. And I'd encourage you to think about that for your own circumstances, your own life. Who are the people who could deal with some of God's compassion and God's grace? And so what does this mean? What does this text mean for us? Freely you have received, freely give, mean for us in being part of God's mission and being part of the group of people who have been throughout the ages invited not just to receive God's love, not just to receive God's forgiveness, but also to take that love and forgiveness and use it to bring compassion and love and forgiveness to others throughout the world, to the people we meet. Well, the first thing I'd like you to think about is this. Who are the people in need you are seeing and encountering? Who are the people you see who are disillusioned, who are not quite sure about life? Right? Now, some of these people may not be physically poor, but they may most likely be spiritually poor. And consider, how can you show them compassion by connecting them with Jesus? You see, if you think of our own lives, God saw that each of us was in need, that each of us needed grace and forgiveness to give us a focus of life, but also to give us hope. Last week, I had the privilege of leading a worship service at a funeral. And one of the things I love when we get to a funeral is that not only do we celebrate the person's life, and give God thanks for the person's life on earth. But we also thank God for the life he's given them. That, that death is really a stepping stone into eternity. That God has given them a future life. There is hope. There is life. And it's not based on what we do. But it's a gift. It's a gift that comes about because Jesus has borne the price of our sins on the cross. And has risen from the dead. So take some time this week to think about who are the people in my life who need who need to receive some of God's compassion and God's love. So who are the people in need in your life? The second thing in being part of God's mission, Jesus' mission, is that if you think about our mission here in Sydney, and I usually say, in Sydney and beyond, but particularly in Sydney, because that's big enough as it is, do you realise there's 5.2 million people who live in Sydney? And as I walk around the streets, as I interact with people, I do encounter people who are Christian, but I also encounter many people who are disillusioned, who are lost, who are uncertain about life. And Jesus' instruction for us in looking at that, even though we're only a small church, is to not give up, but to pray. Pray for more labourers. In other words, pray for more people to be active in sharing the faith. 
In other words, what we are called to do is to trust that God will provide what is needed for us to be part of his mission, to be asked to be continually to share his grace and love here in Sydney. Now imagine if we only got a small percentage, 1% of that 5.2 responded to God's love and mission. It would still be a huge number, wouldn't it? And so we do need God's help. We do need God to provide for us. We do need God to encourage each of us to grow in confidence in sharing his faith, sharing his love, to help others know who he is. But we also could do with more people. And I think the starting point when we're involved in God's mission is not to rely on our own skills or our own knowledge or our own experiences, but to first come to God and lay it before God and say, God, we can see the harvest is plentiful. There's heaps of people around here. In fact, there's 5.2 million people in Sydney. But we have few workers. Please send us new workers. And so I'm going to invite you now just to pray with me for that. Heavenly Father, we, we bring before you the mission you have given us in Sydney. We pray that you provide what is needed, that you help each of us to grow in courage, to grow in faith in sharing your gospel, to connecting people to Jesus so others in this world can have your compassion. But we also pray for more labourers to be part of your ministry with us in Sydney. Lord, open the hearts of people, send people to Sydney so they may know, so the people in Sydney may know you more, may know you more deeply. Send people with a heart for your love and your compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the last thing, well, the third thing in being part of Jesus' mission is that as we go about our life, we are to live knowing that Jesus is with us. But it's also the message that we take with us, that the kingdom is near, that we go about life bringing healing to people. Now, sometimes that may be physical healing. Sometimes that can be through prayer, and I believe in healing through prayer. And I've encountered too many stories where people have been prayed for, and when they've had a follow-up diagnosis, there's been healing to disbelieve that God is still healing today. But I also pray for the church's work and God's work through his hospitals that people continue to get healing. But most importantly, no matter what people are going through, part of our mission, part of the message, the good news that we take is not only are our sins forgiven and that we have a gift of eternal life, but that God is close and he has compassion on us. He's not just close by but he also is close by and has compassion on them. So I encourage you to share that message with whoever you meet. You know, probably the easiest way to do this is if you encounter somebody who's going through difficulties, who has trouble in their life, is simply to say, can I pray for you? And as you pray for them, encourage them to know that God is with them, that God is walking with them. And as I've mentioned a number of times in our sermons, a good passage to, to point, them, point people to is a passage they probably know already know or semi-familiar with is Psalm 23. That even though I go through the, the, the darkest patches of my life, the shadow of the valley of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff protect me. 
Because that is good news for people. That they can get through whatever they're going through in life because God is still with them. And part of God being with them is that you and I are with them. And so continue to walk, walk with those people to help them to know that Jesus is with them. Give them a call, check on them, regularly offer to pray for them. Remind them that you are thinking of them. And the fourth thing in being part of God's mission comes from our theme today, is give because you already have received, not to get something. Give because you already have received, not to get something. Often we live in this world with an attitude that, I'll give provided I get something in return. Now it might be a financial return and that's, you know, we, that's often how we approach investments. It might be that I'll get some praise. It might be that people will do what I want. And in fact, occasionally I have people who say to me at the church, I will give provided you do this. It's not a very healthy approach to giving. The giving we're called to have as Christians is one of faith and of one of thankfulness. One where we give because we already have received that God has already blessed us, that God is going to continue to bless us and not to get something. Our relationship with Jesus is not dependent on what we give. But our relationship with Jesus leads us to be people who give. And that means our giving's not just restricted to finances. Often we, in the church, when we start talking about giving, people think about finances. And yes, I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. Finances is part of giving, but it's not the main thing in giving. Here's some things to think about in giving. Give forgiveness. Forgive others because God has already forgiven you. Now, I know it's hard to forgive sometimes, but keep working at it. Keep going out of your way to show love and forgiveness to people just as God has shown you love and forgiveness. Give of your time. Spend time with people. I don't know if you've picked this up, but if you read the New Testament, you often see Jesus simply spending time with people. Give of your time with people. Give of your material goods, your finances. Give of your relationships and contacts. In other words, allow other people to know the people you know who, are, who bless you. Give of your love. Use your talent for God's glory. Give your talent to people, whatever skills or gifts you have. Because God has blessed you in some ways that he hasn't blessed others, but others still need the blessing of those gifts and talents. And the way he's going to bless them is through people like you. And lastly, give of your finances, your money. Now, when we give our money to the church, we're not just giving it to an institution. We're actually giving it for God's mission and ministry. And there's a principle in the Old Testament that I think is a healthy principle. It's not a, a principle you must obey by, otherwise there are consequences. But I believe it's a very healthy principle to, to think about. And that's to give of your first fruits. A number of times in the Old Testament it talks about giving of our first fruits. And what the giving of the first fruits comes from an agricultural background where people would give the first lot of crops or the first lamb that was born to God's mission, to God's ministry to God's workers and what that was saying is we're thankful for what you're giving us and we're trusting that you're going to provide continuously it's not giving what's left over it's not giving once you've been comfortable 
but it's giving in a way that shows you're thankful and you trust God. It's important for us to develop a healthy attitude of giving. Giving because we've already received. And that also means when we give, we're not giving beyond what we've got, but we're giving from what we've got. So I encourage you to think about how you can give. What, what, how's your attitude to giving? Is it one that you are reluctant to give or you're worried that if you give it may be misused? Or are you giving like Jesus calls us to give? To give because we've already received. And to do that we need to come back and start with Jesus and to remember what Jesus and God has already given us. You see... Our new start has been created by Jesus and it changes the way we approach giving. Freely you have received, freely give. As Jesus said, as you go about your life, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And what is happening here is Jesus is saying to his disciples, you have seen me do these things, you have heard me do these things, you are aware that this is part of my mission. May it be part of your mission too. So as we conclude our sermon, I'd like you to think about your spiritual journey, your spiritual life that you already had, your relationship with Jesus. What has God already given you? Take some time today to... Reflect on that to write that down. Think about the material things that you've got in this world, but also think about the relationship that God has given you with himself and how he's made that possible. And then think about what does it mean to use all what God has given me to bless others in his name? Because God wants to know that all people, the 5.2 million people in Sydney, not only know about him, but know that he has compassion for them, that he loves them, and a result of his compassion and love, that there is a place in heaven for each of them, like there's a place in heaven for you because of what Jesus has done. Let us pray.